Hi everyone, welcome back to Even More Eyes. We are in our season of, I can't remember what we're calling this, but we're just reviewing black people in science fiction. And we are looking into, what do we pick today, James? 2011's Attack the Block. Um, yes, Attack the Block, Ooh. which... That was the first one I saw with John Boyega in it. Yeah, I think it was his film debut. Right, that makes sense. Because, yeah, and that was a pretty good film. So if you haven't seen the film before, it's a synopsis of basically there's an alien invasion, but it happens in a council flat in, like, London. So, <laughs> so it's a very different premise from literally every other alien invasion film <laughs> that has ever existed. But... You know, it is a lot more interesting to watch. So, starting off, what did, with this film, what did you think about it, James? Well, like you said, I think one of the things about the whole alien invasion film is that often, at least in the big kind of American blockbusters, you have aliens turn up in, you know, like a. New York Always City New York or like or Washington, Washington DC, DC. <laughs> um, that's it <laughs> yeah I mean I think that to be fair if, if you're you lucky at, California <laughs> yeah yeah San Francisco wherever but yeah I, I, though to be fair if you look at H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds he does mm. have the aliens arrive in a, an obscure part of Surrey um, though that is a kind of like a you know English sort of at, at the time 19th century village yeah, setting and yeah. then goes into you know uh, Kingston and not far from where I live so all this area gets wiped mm. out is always what I think yeah. when I think of that book <laughs> um, so yeah this this is a very different take on that subgenre of science fiction the alien invasion yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that once again what you've got here is definitely joe cornish who is the the writer and director trying to mm. make some form of socio racial economic sort of argument about again whose vantage and who counts and who doesn't it's a lot more grittier than i thought because i never i don't yeah. think i've seen this film until recently i didn't see it back uh, when it came out um mm. and it's definitely not quite as humorous as i thought <laughs> um, yeah and it is a lot grittier than i thought it was going to be i mean there's some nice little moments with some of the kids and stuff and mm. um there's also quite good action sequences it yeah. had that vibe that sort of connected to me a little bit with like Shaun of the Dead yeah I'd like probably to talk about some of the metaphorical aspects of the film I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about the the social class aspects of the film um, yeah because I do think there are some issues with if you like the gaze of this particular film just as it begins and then as as the film sort of plays out yeah like I don't know like that part of the film I wasn't I wasn't really sure how to process it at the time. And even again with the recent watch, I'm still not sure how to fully process it because it does make a quite explicit commentary as to what it means to live in those conditions. Mm. Um, but at the same time, because it's done through this lens of a fast-paced, thriller-ish action, sci-fi, even though with, with the sci-fi element, it feels less sci-fi and almost more horror sometimes. Oh, yes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not like, you know, it's really looking into space technologies or something. You're just basically being invaded and stalked by an alien species that's going to kill you. And that's not exactly science fiction. But again, like you said, the real thing that is almost more interesting to talk about are the socioeconomic dimensions. So lay it on me first and then I can see 
whether we are on the same page on this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think from the very beginning of the film, obviously you get um, uh, Jodie Whittaker's perspective. So she, you know, comes into the neighbourhood. She's then accosted by the gang of kids that we then come to subsequently see in terms of their background. So we get a little bit mm. about their housing situation, except John Boyega, his character, who's kept yeah. very much like a real mystery until probably the end of the film. And yeah. I think the film is trying to do something about, you know, she makes this very explicit comment about them being monsters. And then, of course, yeah. within, you know, already in the film, a monster has come into the film, which is the the aliens. And then, of course, as we see over the course of the film, she gets dragged back into the plot. And there's something about the impression that she initially has and the impression that the film is very much trying to establish at the start about these barriers breaking down, understanding who kind of lives in your neighbourhood. It seems a little bit from both sides because they say to her at the end, we never would have robbed you if we knew you lived in the tower block. And she she, does, she doesn't really go for that justification because she's just like, well, that makes yeah. it okay, then, you know, whatever. And, and they sort of reflect upon that. What I find a bit more problematic, I guess, is that, um, first of all, who is that particular remark for? As in, mm. you know, who who really is seeing these young men as monsters? I don't know. I mean, obviously, I've not grown up in inner, inner South London. I'm not black. If I was a black member of the audience watching that, thinking, well, I don't really need to be, you know, I don't really need to be told that about myself mm. and then to have myself have that sort of revealed to me over the course of the film that oh no they're just kind of you know they're kids with particular you know they're, they're silly they're frivolous they can be very petty they're having fun who does this really need to be explained from from that particular vantage so again we get a little bit of contextualization except in yeah. one case which is the essential villain of the film what's his name hi hats uh, mm, there's mm. no contextualization for him. I mean, he yeah. is he is very much this stereotype that is put out for the inner city London gangster kind of exploiting kids. And yeah. of course, he gets his just desserts at the end of the film. That's the yeah. whole way this film is pitched. So he's very much the the antagonist. Um, m- maybe even to the extent that where the aliens are presented as basically ravenous beasts he's consciously deciding in the midst of all this chaos to go out and get revenge and go out and kill these boys i think that was a very problematic stereotype to play with in the midst of this film that's also then it seemed to me at least to be trying to break down stereotypes around inner city youth right yeah and it sort of reminded me of one of the sort of blind spots in another film that had come out not long before this which was district nine another science fiction film that was set in um in south africa very much trying to comment on yeah trying to comment on apartheid there was the the thing in that of these horrific stereotypical nigerian warlords it was all this what was this weird sort of barbarism that was going on with dissecting the aliens and drinking their blood and it was it was kind of perverse and i i thought well okay that it's not as horrific as that because hi-hats gets a little bit of humor with his mate Mm. and so on and you could clearly see he's frightened at various points you don't get much else you don't get much nuance to him we're obviously for 
the five boys, you do get little bits here and there. There are other aspects of the film where, you know, for example, John Boyega makes a very explicit remark about, well, we're just being left to it. No one cares about this place. And actually, it's probably, again, a government conspiracy. Like, they flooded the estates with drugs. They flooded them with guns. We're, you know, black boys aren't killing each other fast enough, and so on and so forth. Which, of course, at that time, did speak to the, the whole way the government was framing black inner-city youth. And had been for a very, very long time, obviously going back into British history um, yeah. and London history specifically. But as I say, I just wondered... Again, who who was this really for? Um, yeah. And obviously that particular stereotype being allowed to be sustained within the film, hi-hats being allowed to be sustained within the film as the antagonist, um, mm. I felt was problematic to say the least. But that's, as I say, I think John Boyega making that particular comment within the film does start to spark up whole conversations around apathy, police brutality. I mean, the whole way the police are, are sort of handled in the film is with that sense of being prejudicial, already jumping, especially at the end of the film where they have jumped to a conclusion about who's actually responsible for all this chaos. Yeah, yeah so that, I mean, that's where I'll sort of finish for now and then we can we can carry on. Yeah, I... So the thing is about Haha's character, yes, I had a very similar idea about, not similar in the sense of like um, the representation of that character and what that means for like and the audience viewing, but in terms of the representation of that character as almost like a polarized extreme of what happens under those conditions, mm. because I mean the people that we start of looking at are relatively young, mm. and they're all you know I saw him as almost like one of the many directions that they could go. Mm-hmm. Mm because yes you could you know make it out of there somehow whether that is like literally physically like living through those conditions because you are likely to get killed for any number of reasons that have nothing to do with aliens or you could end up being like that you know who just so much like okay this is the life that i live now and i'm going to establish this as my territory and no one's going to fuck with me and i'm going to use violence to all the ends that are going to serve me and so on and that's eventually what the character ends up being and all the other kids are given that nuance in terms of like they all live in this tower block there is an explicit commentary about poverty most of the time housing of that nature is not designed to be really for anyone to thrive in and of course things like territorial behavior start to happen so for instance the very idea of defending the block was almost like them seeing this place as our territory and no one is going to fuck with us while we're in here Mm -hmm. but also there is that level of the territorialism from like you know gang violence perspective which most gangs tend to have a turf or something Mm -hmm. and for them the block was their turf in effect which is why that comment about you know we wouldn't have robbed you if you if we knew you lived here because you know you are part of our home turf or something like that Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i read that comment from that lens of territorialism i think what tends to shift over the course of the film is that it goes from like their territory as a place in which they feel powerful and can get to play and fuck around and do whatever else they want to do to their territory as a place where they actually have to be responsible for and defend from Mm. external violence and i think that was the real seismic shift that happened over the course of the film because prior to that like you said they seemed a lot like um, irresponsible youth but 
irresponsible youthfulness is not new and is not racialized either i mean you could have irresponsible youth in literally every other city whether that is like the halls of westminster or you know in, <laughs> i mean even more i mean look so at the, the exactly look at the like <laughs> exactly like look at half the um, look at all the um etonians and half the shit that they did so well, it's not well, like well, funnily enough, actually, within the film itself, there's a representation of that in the other guy who's with Nick Frost. I can't remember yeah. his name, but he's. it was an early, in a sense, slightly symbolic for this middle-class kid who's clearly just moved into London. He's driving his yeah. dad's Jag while he's you know, yes. basically trying to live the life of a stoner or, or, or to be a stoner. And mm. um, yeah, and, and of course, we've talked about at various times, um, I think even within this genre, Peter Parker is a highly irresponsible individual. I remember going exactly. way back, you were talking about the recklessness of, of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Mm. So the thing about youth is that youth comes with mm. recklessness and stupidity and foolishness. It's just that, like you said, the way youth from a certain part of the world are represented is completely yes. different. It now makes it yes. look like some sort of inherent racialized yes. or yes. classified. I don't know how to use an adjective that has to do with class, but like a class-based moral failing that has to do with the core of their character or something. Mm. When in reality, some of the things that they're doing intersect with youth, you'd find literally anywhere else. The only yes, difference yes, is that yes. these are youth that are also subject to living under really horrible conditions that many of the policymakers that are making all these comments will not allow their children to live in. So yes, yeah. it's kind of really rich when you end up with like commentary from people who have no understanding of what it's like to live in those conditions, making claims about people's moral characters if their kids are like any different. It's just that your kids don't also have to live in a, in like a council block where probably the facilities aren't that great. Most people are li- working minimum wage jobs are, and are barely able to scrape by and you're supposed to sort of have what hope and prospects for the future while living in that. Like, is it any surprise that the kids are going to end up that way? I'm not saying that as a way of like alleviating them of any personal responsibility but i'm just saying that like when the ground beneath you is tilted in a particular way is it any surprise that you roll in a particular direction yes yeah that's a, and, that's, and that, that yeah i think is a question within the film is is how how conscious of that is um uh, cornish you know yeah um because I, I i think you're right in the sense of saying okay so a particular image at the beginning of the film is set up um, yeah. The question is, is whether the film itself is capable of drawing attention to the very lens that mm. you are referring to. You know, people like Owen Jones have talked about this in relation to the whole sort of Chavs phenomena. That yeah. In a sense, um, a white working class youth becoming associated with violence and, and so on in a way that, of course, and, and has long been the narrative in this country in America as well, about black yeah. youth also being as- associated automatically or innately with criminality. Yeah. And I think yeah. that the question is for this film is whether Joe Cornish was aware of that to to then almost flip the script or flip a white viewer's perception to flip it mm. on its head and say, well, hang on a minute. Do you know where these prejudices and judgments are coming from? Does that make sense yeah. in the sense of saying, yeah. well, if, if you started with this particular thought in mind, I'm now drawing attention to that to say that you are responsible for that particular yeah. perception. Yeah. You know, the youth don't have to justify themselves to you. 
you have to justify and you have to look at yourself where you've got those mm. perceptions from. And that mm. is the area of the film that I'm a little bit unsure about. I'm a little bit unclear yeah. of. Because by the end of the film, what you get is, you know, Jodie Whittaker saying to the policeman, they're my neighbours. You know, that you know, yeah. I know these kids. But the yeah. the question is whether where Jodie got these perceptions from, where already the stuff had, had you know had broken down. I don't know whether that is then done to the viewer, whether the viewer can come to exactly that understanding that you're talking about, to which to yeah. the extent to which youth it's not the youth themselves, it's in terms of, of um, uh, representation and perception, it's the fact that s something is happening within the society that already racialises and marginalises and demonises you know, these young people. So yeah, yeah, that that I'm 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 curious about in relation to this film because for me it was it was a bit uncertain. Like to a certain extent, yeah. from a certain perspective, I could see what he was trying to do, and I find mm. that only problematic from the point of view of saying, well, you started with a set of prejudices, perhaps, but they they proved it to you. You know, they proved that that they weren't really as bad as all of that. And you're yeah. thinking, well, but who who is that for? What viewer is that mm. for? Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I would say that would probably be for the viewer whose prejudices would have been similar to Jodie's at the beginning. Mm. Um, because, I mean, there's only so much you can try to represent a concept without smacking people over the head with it. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you try to be a lot more explicit, people start to accuse you of doing something else, which is, you know, oh, are you trying preachy. to make us feel like... Exactly, you're being preachy, you're trying to make us be sympathetic towards these people who we all know are the problem, otherwise you will not be trying this hard. Do you see what I mean? So... Mm -hmm. To some extent, I feel like it's one of those things where you see as much as you want to see. Do you see what I mean? So mm. for me, it was coming into this film, even as someone who is black, I mm. saw these kids as in a very similar way to Jody, which was like, they're the kind of people I would walk to the other side of the streets to um, avoid. I came out of the film thinking, okay, these are people who sacrifice their lives to save everybody else. Mm. And then also, by the time you also start seeing things around their lives and the context that they live in, you begin to humanize them more. But maybe I was prone to humanizing them more and seeing more. There's some people who just will not because prejudice is prejudice for um, a reason. And so I mm. guess maybe what we're really talking about is to what extent was this film able to shift maybe some of the prejudices from the people who weren't already bigots? Mm. Because there's some people for which there's nothing you will show them that's going to shift them. So Yeah. I think what you're talking about in terms of, I don't know how to put it really, like community cohesion and yeah. the idea of them becoming basically heroes of their neighbourhood. You know, everyone mm. knowing, everyone knows what kind of happened and that's, yeah. that forms a sense of, you know, social solidarity. So there's that sense of very much being, this is where we are, this is our place, you know. I can, yeah. I can definitely see that. I guess my issue would be, though, again, this may not be what the film was trying to accomplish, was the extent to which the film is able to handle that lens of demonization, Trying to understand, like you said, that their behaviour, the way in which they appear at the beginning of the film, is symptomatic of yeah. deeper problems. And it sort of hovers around the film. I mean, you have, again, how the police are treated. You've also got yeah. the influence of someone like Hi-Hats and his mate. And all of these hover around to then help 
partly to contextualize where they're coming from. Uh, mm. But I don't know how far it went further into that. And yeah. um, that would be my only sort of concern with this film. But it's that extent mm. to which, oh, well, these kids prove themselves in the eyes of the white gays. You know, they prove yeah. themselves and uh, they are human after all. And they are, you know, and it's like, well, how did that process of dehumanization begin to even then get to, yeah. the, you know, where especially white protagonists, young protagonists can go around in the most uh, reckless and irresponsible fashion? And do things to other characters, and yet it's never turned into that, you know, a further comment on other youth from that particular background. Yeah, um, yeah. And and it's just the fact the film was clearly dabbling in this. The minute he he decided that this was going to be set in a South London council estate, he was already entering into this, and that's my only, I guess again curiosity about the film and where it's yeah what it was what it was trying to accomplish my response to what you just said would be that i think the centering of the story on these people already goes in some direction towards that Mm -hmm. because normally when would you ever see like a story that is set in this location like on screen science fiction i mean not even science fiction just in general well, I think the only... You're right in senses that there's a real paucity. Mostly because there is no intimate conversation that involves people of that, you know, from non-white backgrounds a lot of the time mm. in films. Mm. And most of the time when it is presented, it's usually, like you said, for like a white audience. So, so they're usually playing a role that serves a pre-existing white narrative. Mm. But this then comes the question, as you said, about which audience is that for? exactly which audience is that for yeah yeah and in the american context i mean tony morrison talked about this in relation to you know certain african-american novelists who were clearly Mm. speaking past you know a black reader to a white reader over their shoulder but yet the issues that were being portrayed were censoring if you well at least putting forward a black protagonist but i do wonder whether joe cornish in writing this was not really speaking to black working class youth or speaking to working class people at all yeah speaking past them to a white middle class audience about you know there's this place but it's not as bad as you might think you know Mm. in which case that sort of starts to demean it's almost slightly patronizing or condescending to people who Mm. are in that particular uh, situation and also to the other side of it is is it putting way way too much to bear on the film itself to to do this, yeah. That is the infinite question because, again, we don't really get to understand... For me, I feel like you don't get an an understanding of anything until you have multiple perspectives on it. And what this film does is, at least it even gives us one. One that is not the central mass media's dominant narrative about what these people are like. And again, even with the council estates, they're not all identical. People's lives are slightly mm. different. In yes. fact, this council estate is just one of many. There are some that are way worse than that. There are some that are really yes, not that yes. bad either. In terms of the audience for this film, I didn't really sort of have an imagined audience because in my brain, I thought it could be an audience of multiple people at once. Because mm-hmm. for me, in particular, it was just nice to see a science fiction film that was not about another like 30-something 
something-year-old white guy or, you know, that wasn't centered around, like, a poor white middle-class family that was, oh, my God, trying to make it through the wilderness of the outside or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, because that has been center stage for a long time. And in as much as I don't personally identify with any of the people on the screen, because as much as, yes, we might be racialized to the same extent, we don't have the same class origins just because i do not connect with them on that front doesn't mean that i do not get to at least appreciate or understand some things around the socioeconomics and Mm. to me i would say maybe that's where the film can be for multiple people because for once at least it tries to be a little more honest because what we get as the representations from other sources are not trying to do any sort of justice or honesty they are there for a rhetorical reason What I found refreshing about it was at least one, just the fact that we got a different vantage point. We did get some social commentary about the context in which this film was made and created, which was from a particular marginalized group of society for both racial and socioeconomic reasons. And then also we got some insight into these people as people, as opposed to talking points for the news media, whenever there's anything that, you know, threatens a collective sense of white safety and also, by the end of the film, as much as, you know, it's an action-packed, horror-esque thriller of a film, there is still the further conversation around solidarity within communities that do not really have anyone else standing up for them. That, for me, was what I took out of it. What other people may have taken out is going to be highly subjective. Someone from who has actually lived through those conditions may have watched that film and said it was absolute shite. I don't know. But I saw it and thought, at least for once... It's a film about someone else. It very much tries to push that backdrop into the main plot of the film, as well as being the major thematic arc. You know, that's yeah. its thing about trying to break down boundaries and that when there's, there is some kind of external threat. And again, Boyega puts that in the case of, you know, it's, it's the establishment. You know, it's these yeah. forces that already are gnawing away and destroying our community and there's now a external threat that that manifests that and what are we going to do about it we're going to fight them off and we're going to save the block you know that's what we've got um and i think that's very interesting in terms of if we think about what happened around that time as well you know the london riots um, Mm. which was in part seen as the long stretch of socialized uh, attack on the the working class communities both within London and outside of it and then of course you've got things that have happened subsequently since mm. I'm thinking mainly about the situation with Grenfell as well there's yeah. an element to which this film is really sort of pointing the finger if again the aliens are meant to act as this kind of metaphor for social destruction or whatever you want to call it uh, then of course the what they do as characters is to bring come together and to to fight and in many like you said to sacrifice their lives in order to to save that which they have and of course you know their own skins as well Um, yeah what you've just said right now is what we're talking about in terms of grounding your science fiction in mm. the social fact really yeah and i think this film also does that to its own degree just because of Mm -hmm. again its setting and its characters and this kind of story that you tell when you change those elements completely all things considered again if you haven't seen it by this point just go see it i mean it's like over a decade old now and it's john boyega's first performance so you can kind of see his um, origins before he got cancelled by star wars so um (laughs) 
<laughs> well, actually, no. funny enough, um, I, I was reading um, Emo that they're going to do a sequel as well. Apparently, last last year, um, I think. Really? Um, yeah, I think Joe Cornish said that he was going to uh, he was going to write and direct another one. And actually, I think Boyega is going to be more involved, or at least he's going to produce it. You know, oh, wow. I guess he, he's got oh. a bit more clout and money now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, back to your roots, I guess. <laughs> we will see. Yeah. We, will see. We, we will see. But I, if that does come out, I will definitely go see it. Just mm-hmm. if not for any other reason, at least one to see what they've done with it. And two to see if, again, we get more of what you're talking about in terms of using representation as a way for social reflexivity. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. I, I th- I think it'd be very interesting in the wake of like obviously the the protests that occurred in 2020 um yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement and its presence here yeah. in the UK you know obviously the fight for racial justice has long has been here you know obviously for yeah. many many decades if not you know yeah. centuries at least mm-hmm. I think that um it'd be very interesting in the wake of those particular movements and and how mm. of course like we say these discourses around representation have been uh, in cinema, what kind of film would be produced from it? You know, yeah, and and, yeah, and Boyega as as someone as well who's been very very um, you know has spoken out a lot on this issue. Uh, yeah. I think it would be a very different film. Yeah, I think so too. But I guess that's about as much as I'm willing to say mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah, so this film. Too. And yeah, I would say if you haven't seen it, go see it. I would call it a, a modern classic, really. Some would argue with me, but it's my podcast and you can't really stop me. So, <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I, I, I would say I think in terms of this particular subgenre of science fiction, the fact it has that vantage within the film itself, or, or the fact, like you said, it centers in a very different place to mm. a lot of the typical, you know city with with a white guy and usually his girlfriend running around you yeah know, and, and <laughs> trying to survive an alien invasion i think it's 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 a good film it's a good film. literally as you said that i got flashbacks of jurassic world i'm sorry <laughs> anyway, um anyway. let's just like let's just skip that <laughs> anyway see, thank you so much for listening um we will see you in the next one okay <laughs> Bye.